I am Plata of the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Another film screening at the Vancouver International Film Festival is Kim's Video. It is described as part investigative documentary, part film essay, and part cinephile experiment. For two decades, New York City movie buffs had uh, access to unique, rare films through Kim's Video, run by a young man Kim, who started in the dry-cleaning business. He amasses a collection of some 55,000 titles, and when the rental shops uh, closed in 2008, Mr. Kim offered to give away the collection, provided it stayed intact and be available to Kim's video members. The filmmakers David Redman and Ashley Sabine decide to try and access this collection that they're entitled to, but uh, seemingly unavailable. Well, what happens is David tries to find it, and I'll get him to tell us what is depicted in the film of the journey to Sicily, where the films ended up. This film at this time is an opportunity to uh, look at uh, our habits when watching movies. Though films are readily available via streaming, a unique place that attracts unique staff and customers alike are few and far between. So the heritage of film appreciation has been lost, not to mention uh, the corporate structures that are such that um, films aren't as available as they should be, with streaming services taking things down at their will. The film screens Friday night, October 6th at 9 p.m. at the Cinematheque and Sunday, October 8th at 6.30 p.m. at the Van City Theatre. Visit viff.org for tickets and information and visit carnivalesquefilms.com for uh, more on David Redman and Ashley Sabine and their previous films, which include Girl Model, Intimidad, Camp Katrina, and Mardi Gras, made in China, among others. David Redman received his Ph.D. in sociology from the University of Albany, SUNY. He joined me from Strasbourg, France, this past weekend. Please uh, welcome to the Plata on the Line program, David Redman. Mr. Redman, good morning. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Um, where are you in France? Well, at the moment, uh, we're in uh, yeah, we're in France. A movie screening at the Strasbourg uh, Film Festival. Uh huh. And, and uh, it's screened. Yeah, it's screened this weekend. And uh, what brought you there? How long ago was that that you, you ended up there? In France? Yeah. Well, th- we we arrived in France seven years ago, and that's where we initiated the movie. And just it so happens that our movie screening this weekend in Strasbourg. So, uh, you know, it doesn't come full circle, but. You know, Kim's video was here. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, uh, there wasn't just one uh, a branch to this video store, Kim's video. I guess there, there was at least five up, up at one point. Is that right? Well, I think Mr. Kim had intentions to to, to go national. I he see. wanted to go, uh, you know, all across the United States, and he had a he had a plan to do so, but it fell apart. Now, I um, I, I believe it was in an interview that that both you and Ashley did. With uh, Deadline Hollywood, that where I, she mentioned that you didn't live close to one, that you would you would travel to one, uh, despite how far it was from where you lived. Is that correct? Yeah, we lived in uh, Brooklyn, uh-huh. and uh, the video store that we uh, were members of was in the East Village. So we would take our bicycles and you know ride across the the Brooklyn Bridge and go in and browse for I mean two three hours, and select movies, uh, talk to the clerks. You know, meet people, uh, take their recommendations, and come back. You know, that night with uh, a few movies, we'd watch them. You know, during the course of the week, and then return them and just repeat that pattern. 
What was the draw for you about about this particular video store as opposed to say all the other ones? We're talking about a time when there were more than uh, one chain, even right? Right. I think it was the atmosphere of Kim's video. It, it was so lively. It um, it was vibrant. Uh, at certain times, it was calm, but most of all, it did have that calming effect on me. Uh, I can't speak for Ashley, but um, I think she would say the same thing. The, it just had such a diverse you know, selection of movies from around the world. But it was movies that were made by people who weren't part of Hollywood, as well as Hollywood, uh-huh. and famous and unknown directors as well. And so when we would meet the clerics, they would say, yeah, you think you know this movie, but how about this movie? And they would just kind of push, you know, push these movies on us. And, and so I think that was a that was a big draw for us. And a lot of those clerks ended up working in the arts themselves. Is that right? I oh yes, so many. You have Eric Hines, who is a, a film critic and a programmer in uh, New York. You have uh, Robert Green, who's a documentary filmmaker. Um, I mean, the, the list goes on, but those are just two examples. And what was uh, Youngman Kim, Mr. Kim's motivation to to? to um, uh, erect this store as he did and, and, and the, the various branches. I mean, did he like film? Yeah, he loved film. He, he told us, and I think part of this is in the movie, that uh-huh. when he was seven or eight years old, he, uh, you know, he was raised by his grandparents mostly. And one day he was coming home from school and his neighbor, who was an American, married to a, a Korean, uh, soldier uh invited him to her house and she showed him a charlie chaplin movie and, and, and it's silent and he said from that age forward he was just mesmerized completely with cinema and so he attempted to go to america at age uh i think 20 mm-hmm. but he was uh required to go into the military and so he did his time in the military and he left immediately afterwards moved to new york opened a dry cleaning business and uh like a you know like a a food stand mm-hmm. on the side, but it was at the dry cleaning business that he began to copy HS and put them on the walls for people to rent. And these were rare movies. And word got around to different professors in New York City and uh, cinephiles. And so he just kept adding more and more until eventually he opened his own video business and shut down the dry cleaning business. So his motivation was his deep love of of cinema, but also he saw a business opportunity and a way to push uh, Eastern European movies and Asian cinema in the United States in ways that no other store uh, was doing at that time. And so some of these bootlegs, I guess, caught the attention of the authorities. And did that uh, did that contribute to, say, the, the store shutting down in 2008? If you ask Mr. Kim, he would say no. It, it did not contribute to it. It was... Um, he... he you know, if you get a chance to talk to him, he can tell you that story. He did have a plan very similar to Netflix. Uh-huh. He had uh, he had raised money. He wanted to digitize all the movies in his collection. Um, he just didn't understand the, the process of how to legally get them online without getting shut down. That was one one you know uh, one setback. The other was that he just didn't have the capacity at that time, the technology to digitize everything. Um, so it was mostly the rise of digital technology, allowing movies to go online, the burgeoning of streaming, but also the, the DVD culture and the Netflix culture, uh, movies in a box mm-hmm. that you could just rent, keep 
long as you want it. And it was the ease of convenience. And all of that contributed to uh, Mr. Kim closing the store. And so th- this is not just, just a documentary in terms of, uh, say, what happened to the business or how the business started and, and what happened afterwards. It's um, a lot to do with what happened to these films. Is that right, about 55000 That's right. But I think a lot of people would like the movie to be about, you know, what was Kim's video, who worked there, what was it like, tell us the history. But indeed, you're correct, this movie is not that kind of movie. This movie is uh, it's a comedy, it's a mystery, it's a thriller, it's an experimental movie that includes different genres of movie clips, you know, throughout the making of this movie, to have a deep reflection on the kinds of movies that were available at places like Kim's video, and it attempts to, the movie attempts to track down you know, what happened to Tim's video collection when he donated the 50,000 movies to a small town in Sicily. Yeah. And I guess it w- was the plan that it would be um, accessible for, for, for people like yourself, patrons of, of the store? And, and then you found, yeah. I guess, that it, that it wasn't. Is that right? That's correct. One of the stipulations, he had three. One of the stipulations was that former members of Tim's video would be able to go to Sicily and check out the movies for free. And so I was a member, and I went to, you know, Sicily to find the collection and try to check out a movie. And then that's when the movie, you know, turns into a mystery. I see. And so when you, when you sought to, to, to go to Sicily, and, and I assume we see this in the film, um, had you uh, decided that you were going to make a movie at that point? Well, I brought my camera, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm an empiricist, so, you know, so much of my training, it wasn't in filmmaking. Kim's video was my film school. Uh, you know, I, I brought my camera, but I kept hearing the intuitive and literal voices telling me, pick up the camera and film. You don't know what's going to happen. Just film it. You might be able to use it. It's digital. If you, don't, if you don't need it, you can throw it away. You can discard it. You can delete it. And so I did that. I kept filming until eventually, you know, I found the collection. And then something happened. And it turned out that those voices were correct. That that became a big impetus in, in shifting the movie towards what it became. It was me filming my hands, searching for the collection, and eventually finding it. And then, uh, you know, having the, the insight to continue filming, you know, thereafter. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is fascinating to me because, as, as you know, I haven't seen the film yet, and I can't wait to see it when it plays here in Vancouver as a result of... of uh, what you've just said in terms of, of say, the, 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 uh, not just the motivation, but the impetus to, to, to want to continue, to, to start something even. Um, and, and so how, how would you and Ashley work in terms of um, how the film comes about? I mean, it, it seems that the, 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 there is some planning, but um, maybe not a lot. Is that correct? Well, yeah, I think, I think you're correct. This, most of the movies we make, we, we don't have a plan. We like surprises. We like serendipity. We like to understand this so-called story as it occurs to us. So we, we edit on the go, uh, we film, and then we wait and see what happens, and then we kind of assemble that, that footage together and, and craft it along the way. And this movie was one of those examples. It just kept asking more and more questions. And so we kept trying to pursue these questions. And the more we answered these questions, the more questions that would develop out of that. So it was a natural progression, not from our end, but from the life of Kim's video. If the collection disappeared, how did it disappear? Who made it disappear? 
You know, and if it can disappear, can it reappear? And if it reappears, is it going to be in the same form, given that we're in the year, you know, 2022 at that time, 2023 yeah. now? What would a video store from the 1990s, you know, 2000 look like in today's climate? So these are a lot of the questions that we had while making the movie. Reviews of the film, David, talk about um, the love of cinema and a reverence for film that um, is felt throughout the movie. Um, it seems that, that, that it, it's uh, such a good time to think about these things as, as um, the way we watch movies, especially um, uh, at home, um, that's changed a great deal. Um, the necessity of a, of, a, of a video store like this, a, a, a community place, if you will, where we can go and rent and um, seek out films, um, that's very different than the, than, than the streaming that we're all, uh, say, surrounded by nowadays, right? That's right. I, well, I would agree. I mean, so, so much of the screening today, I, I don't know anything about algorithm, or algorithms, but I hear this word tossed around all the time. But in a way, I think that these, you know, some of these streaming services watch us as yeah. opposed to us watching the movie. Yeah. And they know what, they think they know what our taste is. But that's the, that's the difference, you know. When you, when you go into a physical video store, you're meeting people, we're talking to people, there's a community. Mr. Kim had live bands mm-hmm. playing there. Um, you know, it, it's, it's the atmosphere of a community center that's gravitational. It, it helps. You know, it helps people. It helps keep our lives together. It's accidental encounters. Uh, It's coming across movies that we would never, ever know about unless somebody told you about them in the store, recommended them, or you you come across them. And so you're right. Many of the streaming services, they they don't do that. I think there's a few that are, you know, uh, well well curated, like movie and Mm -hmm. the Criterion Channel. But even that, that, that's limited compared to what the video store can offer. So it's not, it's not an either-or today, obviously. I mean, it, it can be both this and that. It can be both the video store, and then suddenly you have places like Movie or Criterion going to Kim, which Criterion did go to Kim oftentimes to find movies that were rare, and they wanted to track down, and they wanted to uh, re-release, and they would find them at Kim. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I I love I love Criterion, um, the app that I have on my television. Mm-hmm. But there's a certain level of stress that you get when you log in, and then you see that thing that says um, "leaving soon" or or um, you know X number of days until this leaves the service. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have mm-hmm. that with a video store, would you? Right. That's right. No, you wouldn't have that. I mean, you know, when I'm out of the country, I I try to log in and you know find these movies that. You know, I can't get anywhere else. All right, yeah. And even in the last three weeks, I've been kicked off because of my VPN. It's it's detected the VPN. So there's the VPN, you know, there's the inability to access these movies unless you live in the United States. Um, I I can't disagree with what you're saying. Yeah. What really comes through, I guess, as I I talk to you and and think about where we are today in in, in, uh, how we view films, the, the, the heritage of cinema, that doesn't flourish as it once did with streaming. And um, the, 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 even just the, the idea of owning a film for yourself to take home, um, that, that's very different, isn't it? I mean, our relationship to film is, is, is somewhat uh, truncated with yeah. streaming and digital in the sort. Yeah. Well, I think it's unfortunate that, 
you know, there was this this excitement around streaming. Yeah. And then what we see in today's climate is that it shortchanged us. It yeah. it promised so much and delivered so little, and it just became part of that disposable, uh, you know, disposable capitalism. It's another commodity that is disposable, but at the same time, never ending. You know, when one yeah. movie stops, they roll into another one immediately. You know, I mean, we have two children, and we have a rule. You know, we, they can only watch a Netflix movie once a month. The rest of the time, they have to go through our VHS collection and, uh, you know, put it in the VCR. Or we go to the library, and we rent, we check out DVDs or VHS there as well. Uh-huh. And there, you know, we, I mean, then we find booklets. We find books. Yeah. We find photographs. We talk to people. So it, kind, it doesn't exactly replicate the video store experience. But it's 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 about contact and having that experiential you know analog uh, interaction with with something living and bringing making sure the movies are alive you know when we touch them when we listen to them and when they do speak to us in physical places. Yeah, I, I sometimes go to the library's website here in Vancouver and um, just look at the, what DVDs are circulating. And I'm curious. Just, I'm just curious to know, you know, what's happening in 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 the city and in the culture. And I, I like looking at how many holds there are for a particular movie or a particular piece in the collection. And right. um, it says something about us here in this city, or or the patrons of, in in the library in particular. But it's a good a good barometer, if you will, as to what mm-hmm. people are watching, mm-hmm. even right. Mm-hmm. Well, it is, but it's also a good barometer of of what's actually available today yeah. on, on DVD. And talking to the, you know, the librarians, uh, you know, how do they find these movies? Which labels still exist today? Yeah. And you know, many of these, many of the movies that exist today won't be available on DVD, and some of them will be available streaming. But I think that's going back to Kim's video. This is where Mr. Kim would search for and have employees go and find movies to play at film festivals. They were unavailable. They weren't going to have distribution. And he would ask permission to put them in his store. And so many of these filmmakers said yes. And those are the kinds of movies that remained at Kim's video, and they're still there. But, of course, in 2008, they got cut off. So there's a whole slew of film culture in that community in New York City, in other places where Mr. Kim sent employees, it's no longer accessible in a physical format. And so, who knows, you know, so it's almost like we're at the pre, pre-video stores. Yeah, you know, 16 yeah. millimeter, uh, you know. But you have uh, that in conjunction with uh, streaming. So the, the physical object, the, it, it's, it's, it's just not there. You, you alluded to a moment ago, David, uh, your family's collection at home. I was curious to know what what the size of that was and, and, and what that all, say, contained. Is it is it mainly VHS? Is it DVD and Blu-ray even? Yeah, it, no, it's no Blu-ray. We have a few Blu-rays, but uh-huh. we can't. They're, they're a bit tricky. We have a VHS. We have DVD. At some point, we had about, I'd say, 2,000, and we did donate a few of those VHS about years ago mm-hmm. and I would say probably 15 boxes and you get about 40 VHS in each box you have to do the math to figure that out uh-huh. and two years later I do kind of regret you know giving away those VHS but that's the you know that's the other downside of, of VHS it took up a lot of space 
you know, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit bulky. So we, you know, but we wanted to make sure we had it. We found a good home for him. Yeah, I, this past summer, everywhere I went, if I went to a thrift shop or a, a garage sale, I always looked in that box of, of, of the, the DVDs, and um, you know, it, you know, here in, in Vancouver, you know, they're about a dollar, two dollars a piece, and it doesn't hurt to pick something up that you've never seen before yeah. or don't have. Yeah, it's so exciting to. to it's kind of like finding these lost treasures. You never know what you're going to find. And of course, sometimes you find movies you've never heard of, and you, you may pay fifty cents or you yeah. know a dollar, and there you have it. You know, another. I mean, other times it was so funny. Our first movie was called Mardi Gras Made in China, mm-hmm. and we submitted that movie to all the film festivals on VHS, and it, you know it got into quite a few. And I remember my my high moment. Well, there were two. One, I uh, took a trip uh, back to Austin, Texas. You know, part of the movie, Kim's video, takes place in Austin. Mm-hmm. And I went to the friend's uh, apartment. He, br- he brought me to his friend's apartment. And on top of the, v- the VCR was a copy of my movie on VHS that was bootleg. And I picked it up. I said, where'd you get this? He said, oh, man, my friends and I were all passing around this movie. Have you heard of it? You've got to see it. And I thought, <laughs> wow, this is, this is incredible. I love it. And I, of course, I didn't tell him it was our movie. Yeah, yeah. And the other time is when, like, when Mr. Kim... Uh, one of his employees, I still have the emails, he contacted us and said, you know, we heard about your movie. It premiered at Sundance. We would love to have copies of it in the store. Uh, we would love for you to show it in the store. Will you come? You know, so once again, it's, it's also just him and the employees being aware of what's available in different film festivals and reaching out to the filmmakers and asking them, can we have, a, can we have your movie for the archive? Can we rent it? That must be it must be a great feeling to get that that email in particular. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of the filmmakers say. That, yeah. You know, we you know you have the you have the Jim Jarmusch section, right? You have Asian cinema, but it's not just Asian cinema. Mr. Kim was meticulous about and his employees about uh, organizing the sections by year and uh, by by director and sometimes by genre as well. David, it, David, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. I can't wait to see the movie when it plays here in Vancouver. My best to, to you and Ashley. I appreciate your time today. Ah, thank you very much for having me. The website for more is at carnivalesquefilms.com. Uh, Kim's video screens uh, this Friday night, October 6th at uh, 9 p.m. at the Cinematheque, and Sunday, October 8th, 6.30 p.m. at the Van City Theatre. Visit viff.org for tickets and information. David Redman joined me on the line from Strasbourg, France, in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.